1: Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm joined by Johnny Cochran and man in witness protection, Matt Candela. How are you guys doing? Matt, why is it so dark? Why why have you been put in a cupboard? What's going on here? All it I can see is, is your bit, teeth. I am I am in Greece.
2: Uh, that's where I'm watching where I've been watching the game. Been uh, been been sneaking looks of st- dodgy streams on my cell phone while out for family dinners and all that but uh i am back i am i am outside but i have found a wi-fi connection and uh, there was no way that i was not getting on the aop podcast after going top of the league after three games absolutely Wasn't
1: spectacular adventure today johnny um how you doing the UK? Okay? That smile says that you've got some things to say about a certain player today. I
3: mean, that that's come out of nowhere and it's stuck, hasn't it? It's stuck and it's in all of our heads. And I tell you what, I'm not being funny. There's a big boxing fight tonight. Most people understand that AJ is taking on music today, some great fights in the UFC. But I, I say that because the way the Arsenal fans teed. Big Bill Saliba up for something quite naughty that I'm going to wax lyrical on later in the podcast with that tune that got unveiled today. It was like a fucking ring walk, wasn't it? It was all of a sudden, what's that in the stand? And everyone's like, all right, this, this one's catching on. Whack. Top corner, left foot. What do you want to know? I'm doing skids. I'm here now, guys. Some people, naming no names, some people were somewhat foreshadowed. What might happen when this monster, when this T-Rex in Jurassic Park making (laughs) glasses of water shake, when he showed up in the Arsenal team, some people foresaw it, but we're not going to name names. We are not here to name that. We we, we will be naming names. We will be naming names later, but not in this little (laughs) part. but we won't (laughs) what do you want to know what do you you know what how amazing is it as well that arsenal fans have got their judge back that they want to get back in the booth start writing songs again we've got we've got new muse now you know and and it's wonderful to see and it arsenal fan creativity is there for all to see as well it's a it's a lovely time to be a gooner
1: it certainly is. It certainly is. Listen, there's a lot. There's a lot to tear through today. Um, so I think we've just got to get right in the mixer. Uh, man like Matt Candela, uh, I'm going to you for the hottest take because I don't know whether you're going to get kidnapped at a moment's notice today. So tell us what you're thinking.
2: No, well, the hottest to take is really simple. and um, And all or nothing was good timing for it, really, because it brought back all the pain of a year ago, didn't it? And the pain was at its most deepest after exactly three games into the season last year because we were uh, zero points, three defeats, we were on our knees, we have been humiliated. And to make it even worse, our bit rivals, Tottenham, had nine points and were top of the league. Well, this season, I mean, what about a turnaround? We're three games in, we're top of the league, we've scored the most goals, we're playing champagne football. All the new signings are bedded in. Even more, you just see that there's so many levels of our performance that, you, that, that we've yet to even reach. We've been unlucky not to score a hatful more. We've got a few more, reali- there's no such thing as an easy game, but we've got some relatively easy games coming up before to build some more confidence. There's no reason now why we couldn't get to 24 out of 24 uh, from our opening fixtures and go in, frankly go into the World Cup uh, top of the league, so you know I, I, I don't want to go too overboard because that's what we Arsenal fans do. Do, right? go, do go... go
1: too overboard? This is this but, is a, this is a, a but, whistle. But but the bit that gives me the most confidence
2: is that if we had exactly the same season from here on in until the end of the season as we did last year, we get Champions League. And I don't think there's many people who don't think we're going to have a much much better season from here to the end of the season than we did last year. Because we're a much better team, much better systems. But that's what it was. It was only, we missed out last season by, you know, three, four points. This season, we've already plus nine on last season. So, absolutely delighted with the start to the season.
1: Johnny, I'm going to have to put a few shackles on your hottest take. There is a whole section dedicated to your man. So, don't blow your load too early. What's your height of stake, Joe?
3: Oh dear. Um, where to say I'm not I'm not gonna I'm I'm actually gonna try and hold some back, to be fair. I really am, because as you say, there's a lot to get through. Look, it's time to start getting a little bit excited by what we're seeing. It's it's just so refreshing. Or do you remember the early podcast when I was jumping on and I used to be like, there's no coherency, that's all we want to see, just a cohesion from an attacking unit. Now we've got cohesion coming out our ass. Literally. Every time someone blinks, someone else runs the other way. It, it, it's They're developing this kind of telepathic understanding. The play is so fast. Teams like Bournemouth, goodness gracious me, I mean, we are the wall, aren't we? You know, you're you driving, you didn't see us, you slammed into us, bang, it's a wreck. Not our fault, we're the immovable object. We're too good for them. We're too good for for teams like that. You're not in our league and we it, we're dishing out wallops. We are the wallop disher outers. And I've got to say... I think that there are, we are going to talk more in line with, you know, uh, specifically about certain players as we go on. But there's a couple of people who um, go under the radar and I want to bring them up in the hottest takes. I thought Ben White had a really good game at right back, who, because there is another guy, another monster in the team, can somewhat steal the limelight in the defensive area. But he's doing, he's performing so well and diligently in a position that is not his most familiar so well done to Ben White and Martin Erdegaard. We said we needed goals. We do need goals from him, and these can't be the last. But well done for stepping up, taking those opportunities, and turning just just you know turning a knife on Bournemouth and letting them know that they were beaten. But I tell you what, I tweeted out a minute ago that Bournemouth had Man City away, and then to, last week, and then today they had Arsenal at home, and the games just keep seeming to get harder and harder because we. Who knows how good we are? Who knows how good we are right now? But I tell you what, Bournemouth will be absolutely just over the moon that the final whistle's gone because the longer it went on, it could have got it could have got out of hand, and we and we all know that it could have been six or seven complete cricket scores. We were in a different planet, different realm to those guys. And uh, yeah, welcome to
1: the Premier League, Bournemouth. Great hot takes, great hot takes. My, um, I don't even know where to go with my hot take today. I think that everything that we wanted from pre-season, we got. Um, we did a lot of our business early. Everything felt organized while c- clubs around us are crumbling and lacking stability. Um, we've headed into the season doing everything properly and the payoff is so clear. I didn't even think that our best players were at their peak today. I didn't like G- Gabriel Jesus didn't have his best game in the first half today. Martin Erdegaard didn't have his best game, and we absolutely controlled um, Bournemouth. And I know that the expectation is that we should be doing that, but we're uh, we're doing it with such uh, such flair, um, precision, and speed and intensity. I spent uh, you know somebody's in the comments talking about Spurs. I don't I don't want to bang on Spurs too much. But their game against Wolves today, they looked slow. They didn't really press. They got booed at halftime. They still came out of the game 1-0 up. But l- look at how Arsenal are playing this season compared to Spurs and tell me that we're not in a better position uh, heading into the... Spurs are two world-class players. Arsenal are a team, a unit. Um, and it feels good. Like, I'm I'm, I'm excited to, to, to show up to my TV in the morning. I love the we've gone from having one of the most toxic fan bases in the world to having one of the best. Um, And it's great to, it's great to be excited about Arsenal again. The hope, the hope is real this season. And I I concur with Matt top four, like top four is ours this season. And I think third place is, is well in the mix uh, for Arsenal. So really exciting times. I think there are so many like individual things that we can talk about. So I'm just going to jump. I'm going to jump right into the spreadsheets. Not the spreadsheets. Let's, uh, let's just talk about, you know, Johnny, you said that, you know, you were moaning this time last year, um, and you were, and let's go back to where Arteta started with his team. This is Bournemouth in his first game in 2019 when he, when he took over the club. It was a, it was a draw. Um, uh, Yen got a goal to, to give us a point. Look at the state of that team compared to where we are now. Uh, so a little over a little over two years, uh, there's been a complete transformation. When I look at that Arsenal team that uh, Arteta put out today, there's no weakness as far as I'm concerned, guys. I wanted to get your take on uh, on, on that thought. Like, oh, uh, how are you feeling about this side? One player left over.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: from my perspective,
3: look at the end of the day, it's funny that it's Granite Xhaka still there, but. He's not there because, you know, as some fans are like, oh, they wanted to get rid of him. But Jacques is playing his best football as far as I'm, I can see. He's putting in some serious um, sessions. Now, the thing is, is if you look at that 2019 team, Yang, you know, uh, uh, um, perhaps poignantly gets the goal because that's what he used to do. He used to bail us out a lot of the time and get us out of games where we've played quite poorly by, you know, just finishing half chances. But what this is now is this is a team that can break you down from all sides. Everyone's dangerous in the team, including our defenders who we'll get onto. But the fact is, is all throughout the team, there is unity. We've got players who can interchange positions. We are so hard to play against now. You can see Bournemouth players. They're not used to it. They've got Zinchenko just slipping in midfield, going, hold up. Your left back's better than our centre midfielder. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And I tell you what, you ain't not even seen what our centre half's got for you coming up. But, we now have, I mean, the one thing I would say, and the, uh, let me give Arteta some flowers now. Two things that are really starting to jump out, and I think this is a time to kind of talk about. It. Number one, I've, I've said in the past, it's not like Arteta has got everything right since he's been here. He hasn't. That's just, just the way it is. But what other people were saying, and this is where, you know, some of the Arteta fanboys can get a bit of credit. What Where I lost my way is there were times in the dark days where I was like, I don't even know what Arteta is trying to do anymore. And other people were saying, look, he is trying to get it, but there were players that are, are just not ready to set up and, 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 and um, kind of act out his plans. But now when you have a proper squad, you can see that almost a full revolution, 10, 10 different players. And they are players that have been cherry picked to play out and act out Arteta's desires on the pitch. And, you see the plan. Every Everything's got a plan. And when you listen to the player interviews in all or nothing, and they say that I've never worked with a coach that is this diligent over different positions, every time, you know, one of the things that used to frustrate so much back in the day was sitting there and looking like, first of all, you know, we used to say quite typically, we don't have a backup plan. But at times we didn't have a plan A. It just looked like we were just kind of trying to run around, but there was no kind of... Um, thought process behind it, whereas now every time we lose the ball, players know who to chase, know who to hound. And it's meant that what one of our biggest worries about last year is that was Arteta's kind of anal nature stifling the creativity out of players like your Martinelli's and stuff. But no, quite the opposite. At this stage, you've added Gabriel Jesus to the party. Everyone knows what they're doing, but it's actually given more liberty to your Martinelli's and your flair players because because they all know what they're doing, they can just go out there and impose themselves on their opponents. And let's face it: when it comes down to a battle of who's the best player, looking at, on current form, there aren't there aren't going to be too many teams in the Premier League who can live with us. Because quite simply, now we've got a team full of studs, and we're re- we're literally ready to start kicking ass and taking names.
1: Matt when you look at the difference in starting elevens and um, and where we are now are you, like are you happy the we gave fans didn't just give Arteta patience they went out of their way to give it to him do you know what i mean like it wasn't like uh like there were some painful moments over the last 2 years but last season the fans went fully behind um Mikel Arteta um are you glad they did
2: yeah look um i think it's interesting Hearing all the Arsenal fans, especially talking to all the Man United fans, and saying, sort of laughing at Manchester United and saying, "Ah, you know, you should do what we did, which is, you know, give your team some patience and not be so knee-jerk and reactionary." <laughs> and of course, that uh, it's complete bullshit. We were terrible. We were absolutely terrible. And the main reason for that, and actually, and I think it, it was actually pointed out. I think it was in the article in the Athletic about the, that made the comparisons between Arsenal and Manchester United. But the bit that really stung all of us Arsenal fans was the bit that we had that FA Cup win. And, you know, that FA Cup win when we beat Chelsea was, felt glorious at the time. But I wonder whether it actually slowed down the progress in some ways. You know, it made us make decisions. It made us think that certain players were worth keeping around. All of that sort of thing. And maybe... Because we did have a lost season. We did have a lost year, ultimately. And I think a lot of, a lot of teams did because of COVID and, and everything that went with it. But it did feel like we only started this new strategy. We started this new strategy a year later than we could have, potentially. Um, but who cares? It's here, right? And I think the big thing, there's, there's two big things when I look at those two, two different teams. The first one is just mo- the mobility, the, 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 the speed. Like, we're just so much faster. When I think about all those players, Mkhitary and Iwobi, they're not, they're not physically slow, but they're, they're slow of thought. Or they're, they're not slow in a straight line, but they're slow on the turn. You know, we operate at a different speed than we did now. And then there's one other really big point, which I think is important, which is, you know, we've been made to feel like this is just like consistent progress that's been coming on from last season. But I look at that team, and I look at our th- I think that make- you could you could make a you could you could make a case for three of our best players now, being Zinchenko, Saliba, and Jesus, and they all came in the summer. That's almost that's a third of the team has come in, and is maybe could be right now having started the season. of maybe our best three players, and so I don't think you can underestimate not just the power of the system, but the quality of the perfect that we made this summer and the, the impact that it's making. And for me, I just, I would love us to go out and sign a fourth player, you know, and one more player who could go and be at the level of Sinchenko, Saliba, of Jesus. And I know Saliba came a couple of years ago, but he's like a new signing, right? So, but but if you took Zinchenko, Saliba and Jesus out of the team, I don't... I, I, I think we're. I don't think we're having anywhere near this type of season that we're having right now. So, credit to the club for making those moves in the summer because they've really upped our game.
1: Yeah, I love. I love those points. I think that. So the when we say Arteta's made mistakes, every manager makes mistakes. Thomas Tuchel signed Lukaku, and so every every manager makes mistakes. I actually really think that the point that you made about the FA Cup win. Um, was was a great one because arteta then thought we can just go for champions league now that it's it's all it's all upside from here on in and it's interesting watching other young managers or just premier league inexperienced managers coming in they get offered a bucket load of money and they just go out and they want to spend it on 27 28 year olds that look like champions league players that actually really aren't uh, you've got um, stevie g down at Aston Villa. They had a really clear strategy of signing young up-and-coming players, uh, like kind of like a light version of what Arsenal were doing. And then Stevie G comes in, and he's signing uh, uh, Dinya, Coutinho. Uh, Coutinho. Like, players that weren't really Aston Villa players, and now he's suffering for it. Um, you know, they were absolutely dreadful again today, and you, you'd have to think that maybe Stevie G's not going to last the season. Frank Lampard, um, another player, signing the Conor Codys of the world. Um, you know, players that are, 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 are experienced because all managers want to work with experienced players because it's easier. Um, and we had a wasted year of Arteta signing Champions League looking like Champions League like objects. But one, like I think, the strategy that we landed on was probably a, an ax, a, a mix of uh, happy accident um, of, a, a, and a mixture of um, self-preservation. But once we realised that actually when you sign young players, the fans really connect with them. Um, young players will actually do what you want them to do. Um, you know, Aubameyang is not going to change his game at 30 for a, for a for a player that he could have played with at some point. Um, and then the the football started to evolve. So I think the, um, I think that the great thing about today is that you really couldn't say who our best player was. Last season, there was only one best player and it was Thomas Partey whenever he was on the pitch. It's not a good thing when, the best player on the pitch is your defensive midfielder. No one notices Rodri at Manchester City because there's so much so much talent everywhere else. And hopefully Arsenal are going to move into a situation where we're talking more about the Zinchenkos, the Urda the Sackers, uh, the Jesuses. That's a that's a real positive. But it's um, it does goes to show uh, uh, Arsenal move to a very specialist system. And when you when you do that, you have to run it through the whole club. And I hope that you know Arteta will leave at some point. And I hope that we continue this philosophy moving forward. Manchester United have gone from Ralph Raniuk, I don't want the ball football, to Ten Hag, I want the ball football. And and, and they're they're having to rebuild every single time. But hopefully this is the the Arsenal way moving forward and we always think about that when we're hiring coaches. All right, let's get on to um, uh, another uh, topic. Uh, Let's go to... I've got a few slides for you. This is William Saliba's... First half statistics, 100% pass accuracy, 100% long ball accuracy, 100% duels won, most touches 65, most passes 63. One possession back, 5x. I'm sure his statistics after the game were even better because we know he banged in a goal. This is my favourite picture of the year. Um, If you're listening to the podcast, it's Zinchenko watching Saliba commit a football atrocity on Bournemouth, dropping a, a Bobby Perez flick. Um, into the top corner and Zinchenko's got his hands up. He's like, I, I-, I cannot believe what I've just seen. That is, that is outrageous. Um, and then I've got one more. Have I got one more slide? Oh yeah, i got one more slide somewhere in here. Oh, here it is. It was been Saka on this slide for a while, but where is the deal? William Saliba, one of our most important players. Um, Johnny, I know that you're going to want to talk about this first as you are king of the Saliba Ultras. Johnny, i um, how are you feeling today? William Saliva's come in and he's just hit the he's hit the ground so hard, it's like a meteorite. Can't even run. He's just blown up, he's blown up everything. What's going on?
3: Right. So let's start on a, a positive. Well, it's all going to be positive anyway, but you've got the question there up on the screen, I certainly did have a sec. No, where's the deal? I was probably one of the most outspoken people in terms of being nervous. About the future of William Saliba at this football club and whether or not he'd even been treated well enough to have him hanging around. Because what did I say? Generational talent. He rejoining the club would usher in a new era of dominance. And people, people said, Listen, you're putting your name on this stuff, Johnny, your credibility. And what are you saying now? Can you hear me at the back? I put my name on it, and the guy's a fucking monster. Now let's get one thing. People are worried, and understandably so, where's this deal going to come from? Is he going to sign a deal? I think not only will he sign a deal, I think the deal will happen before Christmas. Because what he needed to do is he needed to come in and realise that Arteta playing him in the team again was not just fool's gold. It wasn't for show. It wasn't going to be you get a couple of games, then Ben White gets Eats back in. I don't think that's the case. At this stage, if we're honest about things, I think it's quite clear that... Saliba's already our best, best defender. He is. He's a, he's a best defender. I mean, what, what are we talking about? When you see it, you will know. And this guy is for real. He's the best defender we've had since Sol Campbell. It is, it's a, it's no, I, I can't, I can't listen to, listen to my voice. It might be crackling with excitement, with passion. This is real. Okay. He is the guy. This guy's now starting to take the piss. Give me the ball on the outside of the box on my left foot, and I'll curl one in the top corner because I've got Dennis in me as well. I've got Dennis. I've got Van Dyke in me. Who wants it? Because you're not going to be able to run me. Don't try and strengthen me. Do you remember when people, when I used to come out here and go, we need to get this guy back in the building. And he's been, oh, Johnny always bangs on about Saliba. Have you seen how many headers he's won recently? What are you talking about? Where are you? Come out. Come out the woodwork. Come back out now and start talking to me about his header percentages. What are you talking about? When you see it, you know he's the real deal. And for me, you know, everyone talks about Van Dijk. I think his air is already here. There ain't many times you get defenders doing madness things like that from the edge of the box. The last time I remember someone doing something like this, a proper one, Vincent Company, to win a league. And I tell you what, he's in very, very good company. Because I said at the time, have we just gene spliced, genetic spliced, Vincent Company with Virgil Van Dyke, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of soul, maybe Rio Ferdinand, I should say. But at the end of the day, he's here now and he's ours. And of course, we say, "Here's our contract offer, Bill. Just put another, just put another zero on there if you want. I don't care. What do you want to do? How, do you, how long do you want to sign for? Eight years? Nine years? Okay, because he's. I mean, look, Matt's going to have to go now. I'm starting to just go off track. But the fact is, is everyone knows now I keep get every time this guy does something stupid. My, my mentions blow up. They're like Saliba Ultra's going to have a party tonight. Johnny's hitting the tequilas. Yeah, I might do. Cause that's what's up now. When we see Kiefer Moore, bless him, trying his hardest. Listen, mate, you're not in the same level. Cause I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm faster than you or at least as strong. And guess what? You could never dream about finishing like this. I've got it all. Big Bill Saliba. Literally, he puts us on another planet and, I'll, and I'm just here for it. I just really am.
1: Matt, just, it gets it gets crazier and crazier every week for Johnny. When you think the superlatives have dried up, he goes to the next level. Matt Candela, should we be offering Bill Saliba a nine-year deal? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> we should be offering him more than a nine-year deal, shouldn't we? Ten-year deal. Lifetime deal. Whatever we, whatever he needs, we've got to give it to him. Honestly, last week, um, I was there at the game uh, at the Emirates. Everybody is saying the same thing. Everybody. And I'm talking about people who are season ticket holders who have seen hundreds of players come and go. But we had a conversation before and we were like, when was the last time we were as excited about a centre-half at, at Arsenal as we are now? And we, we we tried to be um, we tried to be genuine, and probably the best example we got is probably early, very early days Thomas Vermaelen. That was that was like a, and, and I know that that because he did score a couple of belters from outside the box, and he came in and just looked like the Terminator. He looked like an unbelievable player. But the thing about Vermaelen was Vermaelen wasn't six foot four.
1: No, was, yeah. Bit small.
2: Vermaland was, you know, six felt he felt like he was about six foot. So Saliba's about six foot four. Then we then it was really well. Look, if we're really doing a comparison, it's Sol Campbell. That's that's who we're talking about here.
1: Ooh.
2: And and these are big names to banding around, but yeah, we ugh, the biggest anxiety about Saliba is not is he going to make a mistake. It's is he going to sign the contract? That is the biggest worry of all. Which is why two big things have happened this week. One, he's got off to an he's, he's continued his early early season form. Two, the response he got after the own goal was unlike anything Mikel Arteta had ever seen, and unlike anything I've seen. But it reminded me a little bit of you know early Tony Adams who could often put, the, put to be guilty of an own goal, and you know the fans never never left his back. The, the Arsenal fans, anyway. But then today to get a song and the whole away end cheering your name on your third start for Arsenal. This is not, it's not normal. It's not normal. And look, there are are some things that are happening in the sense of it feels like the whole trajectory of the club is just on a massive up. And like Johnny was saying, there's that abnormal amounts of creativity from the terraces around Arsenal at the moment, whether it be you know, uh, singers, songwriters, uh, graffiti artists. It's just like everyone just wants to go out and create around Arsenal. However, this is not normal, what is happening. The hype is real. And, you know, he just seems like such a great character. And dare I say it, I think the strength of character that he was forced to show by having a tricky two, three years where he was frankly rejected by Arsenal and then went out on loan and went through some serious family issues and and, 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 and lost parents. And um, I think all of that experience is now being demonstrated in the way that he's delivering. And I'm here for all of it. It's just I love him. I absolutely love him. I think Arsenal fans love him. I think he's going to become a cult hero. I think... Dare I say it, if he plays the way he's been playing and carries on consistently all season, the Champions League is the very minimum we can achieve. 100%.
3: 100%. -hmm. And can I just jump in, Pete, because there's a couple of things Matt said about my favourite subject. Number one, I've kind of mentioned this in previous posts, but I think this is important, and I probably should have done the hottest takes. When I look at the end of last season and all or nothing is letting us all relive it, you know, livening in in 4K. The thing is, is one of my biggest fears was that not finishing in the Champions League because we had Saliba out on loan. And as far as I could tell or discern, he, you know, was no guarantee to come back. My biggest fears were that I believed we had a generational talent who was on loan with no guarantees of coming. The other one is I wanted a top-class striker, the likes of Jesus, who I actually didn't think would even come to us if we didn't get Champions League. And that is why it felt so terminal when we missed out on on, on uh, top four last year. The reality is, is if you had told me we'd be in this situation, I don't even care about top four last year. What does it mean? The, it only matters when you're in it to win it. And of course, I'd rather finish above Tottenham. But if you're telling me that we've got a long term plan, i.e., these players are coming in this year, and now we look terrifying. So suddenly, it doesn't matter whether Tottenham had got in because we didn't sign a player in January that I really wanted. You know that kind of backup. When in reality, we had an overall long-reaching plan that was going to get us to a far higher level. I can buy into that, and I'm fully bought
1: in, and I'm loving
3: what Johnny, I'm seeing. I
1: spent the whole, I spent the last two years on this podcast talking about the long-term plan and where this club was going. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, like. And- uh,
3: no, but that's what I'm saying. And I'm saying that I've been a little, you know, I was dealing with the realities in the moment rather than the things that you're saying, like, oh, yeah, we've got a long-term plan. But I couldn't, because in the past we'd had our fingers burnt. with transfer you'd been windows. hurt in the
1: past. Yeah, yeah. but
3: You've I didn't trust that club. we would get all of our targets. But we have, and now it feels delightful. Last thing on Saliba quickly, he is a guy that, as Matt said, he put it brilliantly. When you're coming in, you're three games down. Remember, this is a guy who was an Arsenal fan as a kid. He just wanted to come and show what he can do. Within two games, he has been the best player, best defender we've had in every game. Even the one he scored a long goal is the best defender as far as I I, I was concerned. And now he's got a chant already, and he will absolutely feel that he is part of the fabric of the club already. They're singing his name. He knows he can get that energy that he's a fan favourite. And I tell you what, I think sky's the limit here because the only key, the only chance we have of keeping Saliba for, say, six years or whatever is if he really falls in love with this club and wants to captain the club and lead us on to, you know, future glory. And I think that seems to me, you know, we've all got eyes and ears, that seems to me what is actually happening. We fell in love with the player. We know that this guy is absolutely symbolic of what we want to do. And I'll tell you what,
1: long may it continue. Yeah, I, I, like it's, it's very difficult to top what you two have just said because you've covered a lot of ground and I agree with it all. I think the I think the contract piece is important, but I'm not overly concerned about it. Like William Saliba is uh, 21 or just about to turn 22. He's incredibly young to be getting starts in the Premier League. He fits the system perfectly. Fans um, supporting him after he scored an own goal, those sorts of things factor in. Having your own song um after three games that will factor into the decision and getting some guaranteed money and a long-term contract and feeling part of a club not it doesn't have to you know go to madrid or wherever you're going to have to fight for your place there are no guarantees there's no guarantees anywhere else but you kind of feel that there is an arsenal at the moment and when you're an arsenal supporter and your club comes to you and says here's a four-year deal probably put him on 110 120 grand a week um he will he will get a, a good sum of money because you know we've been slow out the gates on this one. But I think he looks I think he looks happy. And the great thing about Arsenal's strategy um of of signing in young players is you've got a whole collection of players that are between twenty one and twenty five. They've all committed to long term, and you've got like top, top class players like Zinchenko and Gabby Jesus at twenty-five. Why would you want to go anywhere else? Arsenal's business isn't even finished yet. Well, probably, we'll probably. I'm, I'm. I am i do not think the midfielder is an absolute priority, but Yuri Tielemann's being out of the starting eleven today, I think Leicester are going to come with a begging bowl for to Arsenal. Please take him off us because they need money to spend. So I think Edu has played an absolute blinder here. If that's what's going on, Arsenal are going to go for a winger, and it's not going to be Callum Hudson Odoi. I don't think it'll be somebody that's got um, goals and assists to the record, and then you've got a complete. You, you've basically got a complete team. Ahead of schedule, as far as I'm concerned. Why would you want to go anywhere else if you're William Saliba? And I also think, you know, Matt, you were saying, highlighting Mbappe. <clears throat> Mbappe is uh, similar age. Um, I think he's 23. Uh, but Mbappe's been around since he's 17. He can sit on going into the, the final year of his contract, and it's fine because he's Mbappe. He's been around for a long time. I don't think the people around Saliba are going to be advising him that he wants to be the main story every week because he's not signing a deal. I don't think that's good for your, your mental health. I don't think it's good for your game and I don't think it's good for your teammates to to behave like that. Um but I would like I would like him to sign a new deal. I'd like Martinelli to sign a new deal and I'd like Saka to sign a new deal. But uh, like overall his start has been absolutely sensational. He he almost feels like um a bit of an old head in that defense. I, I, I don't know whether you noticed today. He's got Gabriel, uh, centre-back Gabriel, hair transplants Gabriel, he, he's, a bit, he's a bit of chaos to me. And I noticed that William Saliba is kind of dropping in a little bit just to see if he does a little madness. And you're like, it's, it's, that's maturity. That's, that's, um, Do
2: you, that's uh, cause, maturity cause beyond his years. The biggest thing for me that's going to happen in the next month is that the strongest Arsenal team probably has Tomoyasu Yasu at right back because he's a natural right back. Yeah, And I'm really, really intrigued to see how Arteta handles the white Gabriel Saliba three into two. Because I think that's sort of got to happen. And it doesn't have to happen urgently because Tommy is coming back from injury. Maybe he'll do it after like a Europa game where he'll give someone else a run. And if they play well, then they'll stay in or or something like that. We'll try out a different. But I'm intrigued to know what you guys think. Do you think that you reward like like, I, like, for I me think... I feel like Saliba Saliba's the first name on the team sheet and you might put Ben White next to him but the, I'm interested The interesting to see what you think.
1: thing is that um, Arteta said uh, Ben White loves playing at right back. That was the interesting comment. He, he loves it and he's good at it he, you know because he's, he's an attacking player he likes to get forward um, and <laughs> I don't. I, I. don't know. I'm almost feet, like there's not a lot in it between Tommy Asu and Ben White at right back. Agreed. If anything, the, the the delivery from Ben White in that inverted position is better. I, so. I don't.
2: I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't. Oh, agree. Oh, I think that's a classic I, I, case I, I... of of when when Tavares has, has had a couple of good games and we're saying Kieran he's better than Kieran Tinney. I think it's you're blinded by by some good performances and what you're seeing. But Tommy Asu's a proper right back.
3: I definitely ben think White, Tommy. Yeah, but Tommy Yasu remember, is someone who can fill in at centre-half. They're both those kind of hybrids, and I just think that their splits, if you like, between centre-half and right-back are skewed, you know, uh, uh, respectively to right-back and to centre-half. I don't think the drop-off's too dramatic, personally. I do, because just because I think, and that's no knock on Tommy Asso. it's more to do with the fact that Ben White's playing at a high level. And, Matt, I'd probably have a little bit more uh, kind of uh, time for that aspect that you were pointing out about being like a prisoner of the moment if we didn't know that Ben White's played at right-back previously at other clubs. He's done it for a number of times. It's not like he's only just had a, a, a quick go at right-back and had a couple of games. I think he can play there. But ultimately, I'll ask Ben White whether he wants to play right-back or sit on the bench because the reality is is <laughs> it's time to start. So, Saliba is our first choice. There's, it's, c- come on. He's... He's a, it's a different kettle of fish. It feels different. Come on, guys. You've all you've all got... Everyone knows it. We watch Arsenal. It feels different at the back. Ball's over the top. Oh, there's strikers running onto it. I'm not getting sweaty palms anymore. Hey, Saluba, go and, go and knock him off the ball, pass it back, and let's get going again. It's calm. <laughs> I'm calm because he's calm, because he's a bully, and he bullies people, and he just knocks people out the way, and if you need him to, he'll whack one in the top corner on his left peg. What's up? I
2: can't wait. I can't wait for you guys to meet one day. Be, <laughs> oh my isn't...
1: god! Oh my. I, I, I but, follow but, him. You know, like when kids meet their heroes. Like they I'm, say, I'm never meet a with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you're gonna,
2: oh. you're gonna look about. You're gonna look about four foot tall. I think next to him, just like.
3: <laughs> I'll comb my hair out that day. Don't worry about it. I'll try. <laughs> yeah. Try and equalise. All it. right.
1: All right, lads, there's um, a little bit too much positivity. So we are going to. Um, I do want to f- flag uh, one thing that was a little bit of a worry. <clears throat> Arsenal are still quite uh, an immature team, just by nature of our starting 11. We'll probably be the lung- the youngest starting 11 in the league again. And I I thought that there was a little bit of sloppiness again, defensively, in the second half. Um, Aaron Ramsdale is fast becoming a miniature lord of chaos. Um, I thought he flapped at a few crosses. Um, there was that moment where he wanted to distribute quickly. He wanted to fizz one of those um, low drop kicks in um, to Jesus or Martinelli running in, and uh, a player sort of jumped at him and uh, he he fluffed his lines and he he complained a lot. But that was not um, that was not a foul. That was not it getting in the way of the game. Um, but it wasn't just him. We got a little bit sloppy. And I worry that we're going to get punished. I mean, we certainly we nearly got punished against Leicester. Um, do you two have any concerns about some of the sloppy moments today? I mean, it, it, the, I think Brian, Bournemouth had one shot on target, but it did feel like they got into some dangerous positions and they were a little bit too close to the, the goal line on a few occasions, even though they didn't manage to get a turn off it. Is, it uh, is, is, there, is there a worry there?
3: From my perspective, it's a case of, first of all, I think overall everyone played pretty well. I do think there are certain causes for concern at the back. I thought that Gabriel was a bit shaky in the first half. A few, you know, you kind of pointed to it, Pete. When you look at the Saliba-Gabriel comparison, Gabriel was always a bit rash at times with the way that he played. I find it refreshing because it's nice to have a centre-half who wants to use their physicality to, you know, dominate their position and dominate the game. So it's not like, you know, that's overly problematic in of itself. But these are the games where it looks panicky. And last season, if Saliba wasn't in the team next to him, and this is why I'm not trying to overplay it. I think that they're working out a balance with that cover that Saliba offers with his pace and the calming presence that it overall, as the sum of the parts, looks, you know, quite, you know, quite uh, solid and sophisticated. However... I think that Gabriel at times still has that in him. The Ramsdale stuff, I'm not going to bag on too much. We talked about it in the Patreon before the whistle. There are some fans coming out here that were too critical and stuff. The fact is, is you're not going to get three guys who want Aaron Ramsdale to be a success more than us. We love it. We love the Ramsdalians. We're all we're all bought in, you know, paid up members of the Ramsdalians. but we can't deny what we're seeing. And there are a number of uh, occasions in the game where he looks shaky. I mean, there's no point in giving him all the flowers when he has world class games like Leicester last year. If when he plays like he has been for, it's been a little while now. If we're honest, you can't draw legitimate criticisms. And I don't actually think that the issue you were talking about, where he tried to clear it and the guy got in his way. Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be on his side there. You can't actually start doing that. You can't jump in the way of a keeper when they when they're doing it. The referee would call it back. And for some reason. You're allowed, Like, if he had hit the ball, obviously it would have got called back. But if you jump in front of someone and get out of the way, try and start him, you have to leave the goalkeeper's ability to distribute the ball unimpeded. And I would count that as, an you know, he's been impeded because someone's jumping in it, trying to startle you. He has to pull out of that kick because he might injure himself. That's why I've got sympathy. Do I have sympathy for him coming out and flapping at crosses about three or four, I counted? No, I don't. And that wasn't happening when he first started at Arsenal. And I want to see him getting back to that stage because I do think that when you're playing against better opposition in Bournemouth, you're going to start coming unstuck. When it's Salah and not Kiefer Moore, you're going to start seeing balls getting banged in the back of our net. And yeah. so... Skamaka
1: do... at Winston, you worry about one of those big boy strikers that's got a little bit more quality.
3: Well, yeah, but, you know, in general, there are just teams where they've got loads of quality throughout the team. It's not just one guy. Bournemouth don't have that, as we've shown today. But, you know, I think that those that is certainly an area, keeper and defence, where we can still make improvements. But realistically, I didn't really feel that much in danger throughout the whole game. I felt that we managed their strikers really well. We were completely in control of the overall, uh, you know, play of the game and the ebb and flow of it. And, yeah, at, at times at the moment, it seems like the only thing that we really are, are laying in panic at is an individual error rather than, you know, defenders not knowing where they're meant to be or, you know, doing completely chaotic stuff. Most of the time we look to be in control and we've just got to really just smooth off those edges because when we get into October, and I, we'll get onto this anyway, but when we get into October and we do have those more difficult games, we've got to be a step above what we even are now where we're not making mistakes and we are, you know, putting teams to to the sword in the same fashion that we did today because, you know, that's going to be the defining factor of whether we certainly get top four, which I think a lot of us are believing now, but whether we can actually push even further, even beyond that.
1: Matt, do you put some of the defensive sloppiness down to um, a, a lack of maturity or are there underlying quality issues that we're not thinking about right now?
2: I think there's a couple of things. I think the first one is that we've got 50% of our back four is new. We've got Zinchenko's new. We've got Saliba's new. new. And so it's always going to take a little bit of time to get that coherency going on. And I think that's not really mentioned at all, but that's that's 50%. 25% of our back four has moved. Ben White now right back to so the whole of the defence has shifted around. They've, never, they've only played three games together. So I don't think you can underestimate how, what the impact of that all is, and then the other piece is, do you not watch Liverpool and City? I mean, they give away a ton of chances. You know, <laughs> you know, Trent Trent Alexander seems to get caught on the on the far post under something City, every
1: City, game. City concede concede an average of six attempts at goal. That's not even including what City, was on target C- and
2: what was not. C- C- City are better, but Liverpool for sure. Chelsea. Spurs, they all concede chances, you know, and so no team doesn't concede chances. So I think we're being a little bit hard on it. As for Aaron Ramsdale, yeah, look, c- c- have we seen him be better at certain times? Could he be a little bit better? Yes. But we just kept a clean sheet. You know, it's like, if, if, if he heard this, he'd be like, what are we talking about? Kept a clean sheet. Shut your mouth. And um, and I'd much rather go along. With it. I think I think that there are other there are some other areas of concern in in the over, in overall team management. But I don't. I think the defence will will clear itself out. And I think it's perfect that we've got this relatively easy runner games. I mean, it's like how close can we get to twenty four out of twenty four? Is all I'm thinking. Twenty one out of twenty four or twenty out of twenty four would be incredible. Immense. Twenty four. Because then would be, would then be, it's be belief.
1: It's belief going into the international break. It's belief going into that Spurs game. And I want to really fucking beat Spurs. Um, all right, let's um, let's move. so I've got to, uh, the, the next uh, the next point that we're moving to is uh is both uh, is two pronged. Uh, so Bukayo Saka made a hundred Premier League games. Such a young boy, and he's made a hundred Premier League games. Looks like he's been around for ten years. The kid is going all the way to the top, but today he was a little bit quiet again. And Johnny brought up an interesting point on the before the whistle, I think, because someone had raised uh, Martinelli and Gabby Jesus because they're Brazilian, they're best friends, and all of a sudden they're nudging out the English guy. Um, There was a moment today where a statistic came up on um, NBC, and it had the passing lanes for the game. And 69% of the ball had gone down the left, Jesus and Martinelli. Um, Firstly, Matt, I'm going to go to you on this one. Um just talk a little bit about the impact of Bakayo Saka and where he is in your uh you know, thirty years standing of players that you've seen come through the club. And then another quiet game for Saka. Um just wanted to know what you thought was going on.
2: Well, first of all, it's absolutely no surprise that more's going on down the left than the right because uh we've got Zinchenko at left back, right? way more attacking, way more offensive, way more happening down that left side. So that doesn't surprise me at all. The second thing is Arsenal uh, have always in their best years had more threat going down the left-hand side. Remember Ashley Cole? Remember Robert Pires? That was always had more potent from a goals and assists and output point of view than Lauren and Lundberg. You know, it just was because that was more of the it's just there's there's different types of players so I see a lot of comparisons with with that we're just way more mobile way more flexible way more attacking on the left hand side than the right hand side so I think those are a couple of points to to bear in mind on Saka I think he had a little bit of a slow start last season and then burst into offensive play and uh with the uh with 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 the goals against Tottenham, so um, so I think that was that was a, that was a big turning point. So I think he'll come good, but he just tends to be a little bit of a slow starter at the beginning of the of the season. I think
1: Harry Kane used to be like that—never scores in August or something like that, like some weird statistic. I, th- I don't know too much about it. Uh, Johnny, um, talk to me about Saka hitting a hundred games. What does Saka mean to you?
3: Well, it's. You know, I've been quite outspoken on here. When I'm not talking about Saliba, I'm often, you know, being... Oh, let me get my camera in focus. There we go. You see my face smiling. Now, um, yeah, when it comes to to Saka, I have been quite forthright in the fact that I think he's our best player. I still do, um, until someone overtakes him, takes that crown from him. I think that might happen this year. Don't get me wrong. We've already got a a number of... um, potential nominees to usurp him but until that actually happens i'll I'll continue to say sack is there um the reason why it's so um kind of glaring if you like is because of how dependent we were on him in the past the reality is it was said in commentary as well sack is 21 players of that age are not being asked to carry like legit I won't call this title contending teams, but, you know, top four contending teams on their own, they usually get a little bit of help. So it's not, you know, a big red flag to see him having some more down games because that's what should be happening. And then other more experienced players, but other players should be picking up the mantle and running with it. Um, Do I think that the standards have dropped a little bit over the last few games based off of the levels that you set? Yeah, I do. And I think that um, there's no huge cause for concern like at this stage. Um, but I'm, unlike Matt and some people in the comments there as well, who said that Zinchenko was the reason for us playing down the left. And I get that. And listen, you might be right, but I don't really see it like that. To try and draw the um, Ashley Cole-Henri comparison and all of that st- that stuff, it's not because Ashley Cole was playing down the left or Bobby Perez, as far as I'm concerned. It's actually because Henri used to drift out to the left. So that dictated where our attacking play would often go because he was the prime mover in our system. So when he goes left, then Pires would go in and Ashley Cole on the overlap. So it's not that Ashley Cole was a good left back the only reason why it happened. It's because our main man, and what I would say is, to draw the comparison, that's where the Jesus thing comes in. If he wants to start drifting left all the time, then he's naturally going to... He is still our focal point. It's quite clear that he's our focal point. And so he's going to drag some of the action out there. I don't think it's a disaster, by the way, anyway. I just think it's then incumbent on Saka to find ways, because he's more than talented enough, to find ways to get back involved in the game and to start getting people's first thoughts towards being... I Because as last year, I need to switch to Saka. I need to get him facing up his defender one and one because he will cause absolute havoc and take no prisoners. So I do think that... You know, it's a slightly slower start and I do think that Martinelli has shown that he is, you know, chomping at the bit. But also, you might say that Martinelli, though he had some really good periods last year, didn't really hit the heights that we would expect of him last year. And so now, he's getting back towards Saka's level rather than Saka dropping his level dramatically. It's not like he's having stinkers, he's just not quite you know, the difference maker that he was so often last year. And I just think that if we're talking about, you know, where Saka standing stands as we speak right now, I'm saying that last season I was openly saying that we had no world-class players and I thought that we had one who on his best day was nudging up to it or, or getting towards it, and that is Saka. I think that's a different case this year. I think that there are a number of players who... I don't know if they've hit world class levels yet, but they're they're all like looking like they could get in and around it. And I'll include Gabby Jesus in there, who looks like he could be a world class striker, no question about it. But um, I think Saka, but Johnny, we've
2: only had three games, so what's the difference? How, how have they gone from not world class to world class in three games?
3: No, well, obviously Jesus is like an, a a new a signing. New for signing. Us. Yeah. He's a a new signing. Saliba is not a new signing, but has just started playing for (laughs) us, for instance. Do you know what I mean? Like Zinchenko played three games for us, but they were playing at City last year or not playing, as the case may be. We've seen Saka for at least three seasons worth of playing every game. And so we tend to have expectations of him now. And I think that not only has he got there, but the only other person who's added his... uh, name into the hat, if you like, I believe is Martinelli, who is showing that his ceiling is as high as anyone in the teams, but he just needs to work on getting that consistency, which hasn't been an issue this year. He looks ready to roll, and he looks like he's going to make that jump this year, but it's now, you know, when we talk about it, about how certain players playing really well improve everyone's um, you know, workload and enthusiasm and output, I think that's what you're going to see. And I think that Saka will start bouncing back, if not next week, then very soon. And he's going to be a, a complete difference maker again.
1: Well, I, I agree with all that. Kaio Saka is actually 20 years old until September. 20 years old. Insane, Unbelievable. Isn't it? His fake yeah.
3: ID in the US says 21, mate. God. He was out getting smashed. Yeah, yeah, 21.
1: <laughs> Absolutely mad. All right, let's talk about, um, let's get some some a little bit of numbers up there. Uh, pretty dominant display today uh, three 0 two goals from martin erdegaard who we were wondering if he could find the back of the net and he certainly did gabby jesus deserved his goal to be onside i wish referees would just give players the benefit of the doubt when the goal is beautiful um 14 attempts at goal six shots on target that is pretty healthy uh, and minimizing bournemouth to just uh, one measly shot on target fantastic but the 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 slide that we're all looking to see Arsenal, top of the league, top of the league, three games, three wins, nine goals, two clean sheets um guys we're we're seriously rocking Matt. do you think that it matters where you are after three games like what does what does it mean for the rest of the season?
2: I just think it matters to get nine points on the board so early because ultimately, we know what we've got to do from a from a, from a, from, a, from a point standpoint. You know, I, I can't even remember how many we got last. Was it was it seventy odd last season? We ended up with sixty um,
1: nine. Sixty
2: nine, yeah. But like the fact that we're, you know, almost at almost at ten. <laughs> that's like a seventh of what we did in the whole last season, and we've done it all in the first three games. So it's not about necessarily being top of the league after three games although that's nice it's about getting those points on the board with the minimum amount of fuss and ticking those games off so you know it's 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 just great to great great to see that you know
1: Johnny when you look at this table and think about where we were last year think about the despair going into the international break when you see us with the same amount of points Spurs had at this time last year um, how do you feel about it And, and what does what does this do for confidence with the fans and the players.
3: Well, it's delicious to see, isn't it? And listen, guys, you know the season has kicked off. We're not at top of the league because our name begins with A. All right, we're there because we're the nuts. That's it. We're back where we were. Back where we belong at the summit. And you know what, City, you might end up getting back if you get a couple of goals tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, but the reality is, is you know. If things carry on the way they are, it's a two horse race. I mean, we are looking. No, I, I, I'm being a. That was a bit tongue in cheek. The fact is, is I, am, I am refusing at this stage to come out on here and start saying things like we might be in the title race. I won't do something like that. But could we? Could I, I, I know uh, you're thinking it? Not, I don't know. I know that. you're thinking it. You want to say? It. I know that you. There are will be a time. You're... There will be a time when that might start coming out. What I would say is this: is um. The reality is, if we want to have a special season, we have to take care of these games. And I know it feels good to see what we're doing, but these are the easiest games, the easiest run we're going to have, probably throughout the season when you look at our fixtures. The fact is, is we need to put all these teams to the, to the sword. And I, I said it in in the summer. I think Matt did as well. We need to be top or very, you know, very much representing top by October by the time the game start, because it will start to even out. We've got to do Tottenham because we're better than them. We look miles better than them at the moment. And I want to give them something, you know, nasty. But that is why, you know, let, let's be clear about this. We could have scored four, five, maybe six today. It's so important for these Arsenal teams, this Arsenal team, I should say, to start showing their teeth. And to. one of the things that were introduced under that Wenger era was... We'd score a couple of goals and then just ease off. We wouldn't give teams spankings in the way that other teams would do to us. It was horrible to see. We need to go in there and just rip people apart and go, you clean it up. That's what we need to do. And now it looks like we're starting to do that. And we're going, no, we're not taking players off after 50 minutes. We're just going to start brutalising people. You know what I mean? We're going to be going for it right to the end, get that goal difference up. Because that's the thing that gives you momentum, and it, it's also the thing that, in 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 that goes in hand with the league to, the league table, I should say, showing us top. When teams have had pastings off people, it goes with it, your name travels further than the face, if you like. When you turn up, they're like these guys are a different gravy. They're not just nicking wins; they're walloping people. And so the table looks great, but it's no more than we deserve, and. I think that we need to keep this form going. No one's going to want to face us. We do need to start, you know, savaging some more teams and really getting out, really getting the mystique of Arsenal back. Cause that's what's starting to come for me. I feel like teams are going, we don't, we don't want to play them. They're, they're going to do something crazy to us. Every time, every time we've played a team this season in the Premier League, we've gave them, we've been too much for them to handle and I love it. It's so great to see. And um, yeah, overall, if we continue on this kind of form, there's no reason why we can't stay right in and around where we are, at least till the turn of the year, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. When we had a really good run under Unai Emery. Um, you know, we were, you know, pushing near the top of the table. We were singing, we've got our Arsenal back uh, at Fulham, but the underlying structure of the club, uh, what well, the underlying structure of the squad was a mess. Um, our XG numbers were in the toilet and you never really felt the, what you were seeing on the pitch was um, true, but Arsenal have got great XG, um, the football is good, uh, the intensity is unbelievable and, and the precision of how we're moving the ball around is fantastic so I totally agree with it it's, it's uh, 9 points out of 9, totally deserved, the question is, can we keep up the pace, and when it comes to the big teams this year can we deliver? And uh, I know that the United game is coming up and maybe United will have sorted themselves out by then that, you know, they always, they always turn things around for us. Uh, But hopefully it's such a mess this season. that won't be able to do that. Um, But the big one for me is the Spurs game, because I would love to turn over Antonio Conte. All right. If you are listening to this on YouTube or watching it on YouTube, click that subscribe button. So you always get the notification And sometimes we have to sell things on here. We've got a Patreon, the Arsenal Opinion Patreon. So you go to patreon.com, you type the Arsenal Opinion in, and then you get the opportunity for £3.50 a month. I don't even think you can get a Costa Coffee for £3.50 a month these days. Um, But you can get, uh, before the whistle content, you can get Johnny doing raps. Matt Candela is going to put his hands, his pen to some long-form content um it is really worth your while we've had a lot of fun on the before the whistles because it's a little bit more relaxed we can uh, we can do a bit of banter we can have a, a a bit of fun and it's not it's not quite as intense so remember sign up to our patreon we've got lots of good stuff coming um there um guys we've come we come to the uh, to the close of the show uh Johnny I know that you like this little bit it's the aop aob uh, yeah. what is your any other business this week Johnny
3: well I'm going to give a little bit of um, a shout out to the people in the comments. We do read them. We try and put up ones as we go as well. A few people have made the comment, which I think we could all just put our two pen F on quickly. It's about Arteta's sub- substitutions and willing- willingness to rotate the squad, essentially. Um, so, yeah, you know, my, my take was, you've been saying it for a long time. I, mean, I think we've all been singing from the same hymn sheet on that. We need to use all of our squad this time because we can't have a situation like last year where certain players get overused you know we haven't even kicked into Europa League yet and some of these guys are all of the starting lineup are playing lots of games we're going to be playing Europa League games and if they start breaking down we are not a team that can deal with a number of big you know injuries in big positions not many teams can granted but when you start getting, you know, ahead of yourself thinking about the city comparison, they got about three obscenely good players in every single position all the time. Whereas we're we've got to be smarter with how we manage our squad in terms of the way that we go ahead. So yeah, I personally was encouraged to see Eddie and are getting about 20 minutes. It was about 73 when he came on. We've added time, he's getting 20 minutes to run around. But that needs to be a thing. It needs to be needs where to be <laughs> minimum they're getting 20 minutes, maybe half an hour in games where you're going to win. When, when big Bill Saliba swings the left foot and puts the team to the sword, you know, call your subs back and go, go on in lads. Bill's done it. He's put the knife in. So jump on, get yourself some game time. But um, overall, you know, how did, how did you guys take and view Arteta's substitutions when they dropped? And, uh, and were they, were they the right ones?
2: I I agree. I agree. Uh, You know, Still early days. We don't need wholesale changes. I probably agree that we should have. We've done well to start the same team for the first three games. I personally would have liked some earlier subs, especially last week. Uh, I felt really, really could have benefited last week. But this week, you know, I think, I think, I think he just about got it right. Maybe, maybe five or six minutes earlier for a couple of players. Um, but. It's it's all it's it's all positive. I think it was interesting hearing the post match conference where Arteta said, "We need more firepower, and we're going out to get it." Uh, which I mean, they're going to They're going to get a there's banger. Music or a winger. Gonna get that's a banger music or a winger. to our, that's music to our ears because. Yeah, the way we've been starved over the years, we don't even—we're not even clamoring for it. We're—we're like, we're okay. We're okay. Yeah, we do spending We're great. We're really grateful for everything you did this summer, and you know, keep the powder dry. And yeah, no, I think they really recognized what bringing new players does. You know, like, like we said, the Jesus Sinchenko Saliba triple addition has just transformed the team. Imagine if what we could get one more player can add. 10, 10 goals and assists minimum. Well, that would be special, right? Especially when you've got, there's always going to be one player who maybe like, you know, not not firing more cylinders. And, you know, just to have the extra competition, I think would be would be wonderful. And just 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 one example of that just pops up in the comments. Daniel McDonald, Zaha looks exceptional at the moment. For me, I'd go and get Zaha. I've mentioned that before. I put it on. Twitter and I yeah. said what's he got one one year left one year he's firing he's firing all cylinders you can get him for 30 bring him in that's an extra 10 to 15 Premier League goals this season and a monster
1: yeah Yannick balassi said uh, after he said Wilfred Zaha is a big boy he's one of the big boys in the Premier League and I agree He's been, he he was brilliant again today he's brilliant against Liverpool top top player Uh, looking to see out his career, I suspect that Arsenal will probably go for a younger uh, wide player, but whoever they bring in will be top talent. And it won't be one of these Spanish wingers (laughs) that's had two assists over five seasons, but one, a tactical Twitter guy says that he's great. It'll be somebody with like fide credentials. Um, And I I also like, we need more firepower. Yes. And that will be the priority, but I really do think that we could do with uh, a Tielemans in there. Just in case, I don't I don't think we look good without Jack, or I don't think we could look good without Thomas Partey. So hopefully we do that. And on the squad rotation thing, I think it's a little bit too early in the season to be clamoring for big rotation. But I'm kind of with you guys. It's like you, you could you could give Eddie Eddie and Kettier 30 minutes in a game like that. I think the reason that Arteta didn't is he wanted Jesus to get a goal after he had one disallowed. But I'm looking forward to seeing how we use the five sub. Uh, rule this year. I'm looking forward to seeing Fabio Vieira uh, make an impact. He plays some nice balls in the under-21s. And I'm also looking forward to the forgotten man, Emil Smith-Rowe, coming back and doing some damage in the side. It's amazing how quickly we go off players. Matt couldn't stop talking about him last year, but he's got a new love in his life, and it's not the blonde guy anymore. Um, so, yeah, look at, looking forward to seeing how we... You know, we've, we've got... Is it Aston Villa next? Aston Villa. Aston Villa yeah. next. All building up to that Man United game. T- I am to tell you what I'm I any other business that I'm looking forward to. Firstly, I am absolutely loving the decline of Manchester United at the moment. I'm loving the Ten Hag. Like uh, Arsenal fans have always got a manager that could just come in and do a better job than Arteta. And Ten Hag was the last of them. And he's gone into United and he's making all the same mistakes Arteta made in his first season. I know who I know who will help with a toxic squad, Arnautovic. I know I know who will help with our midfield that uh, is getting pressed Casemiro 60 million let's spend it um but his interview on Monday with Neville and Carragher I think is going to be a disaster some of the questions that they're asking him because those two have set themselves up as the guys that are direct and ask the hard hitting questions and you notice the way they frame the interview is very much like how Mikel Arteta was interviewed in his first ever for Arsenal training ground in the back window I wonder whether it's going to be an absolute savaging because T- Ten Hag looks a little bit out of his depth at the moment. And it's early days. He's a very experienced coach. Um, but I'm not sure he's used to getting this sort of attention and this sort of criticism. And he's certainly not a technical director because the player ID, I, I, they're talking about 90 million for this Anthony kid, 60 million for a 30-year-old from Real Madrid. Like the Madrid's three biggest sales, uh, Di Maria um, to Man United, Cristiano Ronaldo. It's like it's just absolute. Uh, it's just madness. It's madness. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So I'm looking forward to that on Monday. Um, if Fulham you are listening,
3: who? Fulham, Fulham, Fulham next. next. Got to be so putting Fulham them to the sword.
1: Fulham. Yeah, put Fulham to the sword. Although they they were they they beat Brentford today, and their uh, their XG was like two point seven. Still got to beat them. But Mitrovic yeah. is a ham. Mitrovic is a big test for Saliba. A total bully. He's a a, a man beast. Um, and he's he's he, you know he scored a lot of goals last season. He got twenty-seven goals. Good last job. season. He would have been a good good, good good job. Good job. We know of another man beast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the just want to flag um, to anybody listening, anybody that likes leaving five-star reviews on uh, on on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We had, we had somebody that left a, a couple of mean a couple of mean reviews last week, and I am fine with criticism if you are listening to this and you think it is reactionary just remember it is called on the whistle because it is hot reaction sometimes we get things wrong it's going to be spiky it's supposed to be emotional that is the essence uh of, of the format so um if you are going to criticize us in, in a comment uh, at least give us some good criticism uh, that we can take back and and work through in a, in a meeting room in a kind of like AOP therapy session, uh, but just leave us a five star review. I mean, honestly, if your life is that boring that you want to go and leave someone a one star review on iTunes, what is wrong with you? Get some happiness don't, in your life.
3: Don't read it, Pete. I don't give a shit who thinks that I'm, I i chat shit. Screw you. See you later. I'm coming with more saliba <laughs> yeah, loving. Yeah, you're Absolutely. right. I'm, not- and you
1: know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave myself a five star review <laughs> on my dad's phone. So
3: fuck there it. you go. You'll show him. Oh.
1: All right, where uh, Matt Matt Candela? Where can people find you on the internet for the hottest in design takes, as well as your uh, spicy arsenal opinions these days? Uh,
2: You can find me at Matt Candela uh, on Twitter. I'll be uh, I'll be back from back from holiday next week, and
1: will there be uh, even
2: more time? What's that? Will there
1: be a light? Will there be a Will there be light? Will we (laughs) see your face next week?
2: (laughs) The comments have been crack absolutely cracking me up. Why would I be in Kabul?
1: I
3: mean, it, it, literally, Matt is the real life Jason Bourne. The rest of it is just for show. Quite frankly, there, there's a target that's about to get taken out after this podcast ends. He's going to walk through that door and just be like, "Hi," silencer on, and then he's right. Yeah, holiday over.
1: He took your <laughs> he took your Bournemouth pun a little bit too seriously from the other day. I'm actually
2: uh, I'm actually just doing a little bit of scouting for Mikel Arteta. Uh, I can't tell you where I am. <laughs> can't give it any 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 any. Any t- hints or tips in the landscape, which is why it's so dark here. But I am looking at a very promising sixteen-year-old uh, Latvian.
3: Lovely, I, I bet you are Matt. But uh, oh. before you incriminate yourself any further, okay? Before Johnny, before your loved ones ask questions, we'll move on.
1: <laughs> Johnny, um, what wh- what are you doing? You on TV or doing anything cool like that at the moment? I Where was can jumping people find on
3: five live earlier, and Ooh. I was on with Chappers. And I was previewing the game, and I said, you know, that pretty much Bournemouth and the league needs to worry out and not worry about us. And when I'm not enjoying what Arsenal have to offer these days, I'm loving the demise, the misery that Man United are going through. It's wonderful. I watch it in high def. Everyone that um, is listening to this, but he tried. It. By the end, at the end of the day, of course, I'm going to be bigging up Arsenal. But I always like to leave with a little jibe to Man United on the end. And he called me out. He's like, mate, you're meant to be talking about Arsenal. Are you having a go oh, uh, at United? I'm like, can I do both? Can I do both? Yes, I can. And if you want more of that, follow me on my socials at Cochrane. Arsenal love, Man United hilarity.
1: And Johnny, I heard that there is a legend, two legends coming to a podcast near these people on Monday. What's going on? Who have we got on the show?
3: So anyone who has ears and likes football will have known and would have appreciated the work of none other than the legendary commentator, Jonathan Pierce. Both himself and one of the genuinely funniest men in Britain, Terry Alderton, have got a new podcast. And as part of them having their own podcast, they're actually going to come on to the Arsenal opinion for a special podcast. We're going to talk about we're going to talk to Jonathan about. Um, his experience of covering Arsenal over the years, you know, if he's got... I don't even know the answer to this. If he's got any secret stories or run-ins with some of the Arsenal uh, hierarchy, that would be um, that he wants to share. We'll t- we'll talk his views on Arsenal, a man who obviously is not very knowledgeable about football. And Terry Alderton doesn't support Arsenal. He supports South End United. No threat to us, you know, and he's probably just pleased that, you know, his, his team's have a nice pie at half time. You know, it's not the football on the pitch that he's talking about either way. It promises to be a real fun conversation and yeah, that will be out. It's going to be early access for our patrons and then it will be on general release uh, probably by the end of this next week.
1: Didn't big soul Campbell manage South end United for a bit. I think he did actually. Yeah. You need to get, think you need to get the download on that, but Jonathan Pierce, I grew up listening to him on 1548. Nobody can get you more excited about Arsenal scoring than Jonathan Pierce. What a legendary voice. I think he does um, be in sport. He was doing French football for a bit. Like, just such a deep knowledge of the game. Love, love listening to him. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. If you're on iTunes, give us a five-star review. If you like this content and you want some secret bonus content, go to the the patreon.com, type the Arsenal opinion, pay your £3.50, a month, and you'll get loads of exclusive content. That content, the before the whistle, is exclusive. It doesn't go anywhere else, and uh, we've got a good reception to it so far. So that's good news. And on that note, we will be back for the Fulham game next week, live to air. Um, so make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Have a great week. Enjoy Sunday and Monday, uh, and enjoy. We are top of the league. Ciao uh, now.